Welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast, your weekly insight into the world of Formula One. Hello and welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Will, and as ever, I'm joined by Ben Stevens and Paul Velasco to preview the first Turkish Grand Prix since 2011. Ben, I'll throw it over to you first. Um, this is a very popular track and one that a lot of people have been calling for for some time. And uh, how excited are you to see it uh, with the 2020 cars in action? Oh, I'm absolutely pumped. Uh, as you say, it's it's a fan favourite and with good reason. Uh, it's just a track that's great to watch F1 cars go around. And in this era of the fastest F1 cars ever, well, you know, it's going to be fantastic to see them really put to the test. Paul, do you have any fond memories of, of this circuit? Well, I've never been to it. Uh, it was one that's only been around, I think, seven, is this the eighth year, right? They've only had seven races or eight races before. Uh, it's a Herman Tilke design track, guys. Let's not forget that because it is a super track. I mean, it's, it is a beautiful track and it's one of those penned by Tilke, which, you know, he gets a lot of hate and a lot of criticism for his sort of, what, what did Toto Wolf call it the other day? Ben, he, he named it. What? Oh, the uh, supermarket parking lot tracks. Yeah. yeah, the supermarket parking lot tracks. What's that all about? You know what I mean? And he's right. And But Herman Tilke can design good stuff. It's also what he's given as a mandate. And this is, I think, he's probably his crowning glory. And it's a very great track. And I think turn eight. I'm just going to say turn eight, double apex, watch them on the outside of that. When they come out of it, that's where we're going to have a lot of uh, incidents, I think. So I'm very pumped. Like Ben, I'm, I'm super pumped. Uh, I think we're going to see cars at their, their very best. And the most important thing, mistakes will be punished. With some of these new tracks that we've gone to uh, that have more more gravel traps or are tighter, we are seeing more mistakes being punished. And I think that Turkey will definitely be another example of that, although it doesn't necessarily have the, the gravel traps, but more due to the, the general difficulty. Um I guess the most important storyline heading into this is the fact that Lewis Hamilton can clinch his uh, record-equaling seventh world championship. Uh, he just needs to outscore Valtteri Bottas, and uh, that all title will be his. Uh, ben, uh, without kind of discussing whether we expect Hamilton to do it this weekend or, or next weekend, we've seen a lot of drivers kind of coming out and, and talking about Hamilton, but um, how do you rate his achievement this season? Um, I, I know it, it's kind of only been him against Bottas, but how would you rate it as, a, as an achievement maybe compared to some of his other titles? Yeah, well, I guess that's the sort of tricky thing, isn't it? Because it's been only him against Bottas and it sort of depends on how high your estimation is of Bottas and that's obviously varies a fair bit across the, uh, the F1 fandom. Personally, I think it's he's been stellar. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as good as maybe 2017 or 18 where he had those Ferraris of Vettel uh, really pushing him or, you know, some of those earlier Rosberg years. But, I mean, just in terms of uh, him extracting pace from the car and doing it consistently, which is all you can ask of him, of course, uh, he's been right on it. And, you know, it's uh, it's another amazing effort by him. Yeah, and uh, I think this is a, a track that we saw Hamilton not necessarily go well at in, in the past, a track that was pretty much dominated by Felipe Massa um, while he was in the sport. But Paul, do you expect Hamilton to tie up the title this weekend? What, what do you kind of expect to see from that battle between him and Bottas? Because I think Bottas probably just about had the edge at, at Imola uh, prior to picking up that massive piece of debris in his in his front wing. Uh, is the championship still on? Oh, someone should have told me. I didn't realise it. 
mate, it's over. Let's not fool ourselves. I'm I'm going to put my neck on the block and he'll do it. If he doesn't do it this race in Turkey, he'll do it wherever he, the next race is. The bottom line, this championship's over a long time ago. Uh, in terms of Lewis, yes, he keeps on rising. You know, as as good as Valtteri gives it to him, Lewis finds an extra notch, and that's the, the reality. So yeah, it's you know if, if, if I'm going to put it, it's, Lewis will set the pace, uh, Bottas will chase and maybe get pole or whatever. But at the end of the day, the quality, the class of the two drivers uh, is just very well distinguished this year. You can see, you know, there's just no ways Valtteri is the business to give. If you want someone to actually challenge Lewis, which I don't think is the Mercedes ethos. Mercedes is they've got a very balanced, fine-tuned team. The number one driver loves the number two driver. No one cares what the number two driver thinks, so everyone's happy. And that's how Mercedes have cleaned up. Why will they bring Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc or whoever the new young gun is? Not now. Lewis has a chapter to finish. And once that chapter's finished, then someone else can come in. Interestingly, it won't be Max, according to Toto. So uh, as much as Joss and them jump around, the bottom line is Lewis is their man. And I can't see Lewis hanging up his helmet at the end of the season and stuff like that. He would be super silly if he did. I see this guy hanging around until at least he's, these, uh, this formula ends. And once, once that formula ends, you probably do a year in the new formula if he feels he's still got it. I see 10 world championships with this guy. So if that battle is somewhat over there definitely is some fight left in this battle for third place in the constructors championship one point separating Renault Racing Point and McLaren it's been an unbelievable battle and uh, just one that's still too close to call I think I think it's absolutely too close to call and as we've sort of been saying uh, I think on the podcast for the last few uh, races at least it's sort of comes down to just uh, a moment of brilliance from from one driver or you know a particularly fortuitous sort of uh happening in the race and it really could go either way those cars are all uh very strong um as far as midfield cars go uh there's not much between them uh you know maybe you would say in terms of drivers you would give well you probably i think you'd almost certainly rank daniel ricardo the best but then you might rank Esteban Ocon near the bottom of the six that make up those uh, three midfield teams. So that sort of balances things out. Um, and then, yeah, uh, inter- I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, if characteristics of these particular tracks coming up uh, suit one car or the other. I know uh, that uh, Otmar Safnau is very confident that Racing Point is going to sort of be strong at these last four races. Um, I'm not so sure about McLaren. Uh you know, they seem to be of the of the three, the one that's sort of slipping back a little bit. But yeah, it's it's exceptionally close, and I'm really looking forward to that battle, particularly at this track where they're going to be able to race each other. Of those midfield drivers, um, Sergio Perez is the only person who's actually driven at Istanbul Park before. Do you think that will give him an advantage, or do you think that just the the changing nature of the car characteristics from 2011 to 2020 is just going to be too much? Look, I'm going to be uh, uh, sort of a contra and just say look i mean who cares you know seriously uh, i don't really i i i, I don't watch about uh, okay maybe you guys can who won the who was third in 2000 and uh let's go 2007 uh was it Renault? good guess right <laughs> no but you know what i'm trying to say is that yes i appreciate this battle uh for the minor positions but me personally and i, and I understand people groove on it you know but I, I don't get excited about that. I want to see guys battling for the top three. I think I think that's a, that's a fair enough perspective. And 
I think it's definitely something that Formula One need to be wary of. And and something that I am concerned about next season with the 23 race calendar is that if we do get into another situation where Mercedes are dominant, that is a lot of races with not a huge amount on the line. I do worry about kind of Formula One diluting their product a little bit. Well, I think the bottom line is this is only in the Mercedes era and the Schumacher era and the McLaren era do I remember anyone worrying about third place. And this is obviously the line everyone has to spin if you're promoting the sport. Ah, oh, third place battle is good, but people don't watch Formula One or any sport for the guy who comes third. You know, I'm an Everton supporter. Trust me, mate. It's horrible. You don't want to watch yourself coming nowhere. Then you're being a bit kind to Everton saying they're going to come third. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, you know, we, we, we topped the league the other day, so I was quite impressed by that. But anyway, well, briefly, it's very brief. Because my son's an Everton supporter too, because I don't know why he followed me. And I said to him, mate, it's, it's the only time you're going to find soccer happiness in your whole life. But anyway, to cut a long story short, is that I think when you've got a sport like Formula One with 20 guys going for it, really, it's a travesty that only one one or two guys can win. That's the reality. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and try and tell listeners, yeah, it's going to be a great Grand Prix in that. I don't think that's my job to preview it. The preview is going to be the same. Lewis and Bottas, one will be faster in qualifying, the other one, they'll race, they'll start from the front row, and then one of them will break down, the other one will chase, and they'll always say, oh, Valtteri, sorry, your car was worse than Lewis's, you know, too bad, and Lewis wins. And that's how Formula One's been for the last year. I love Lewis, and I love the sport, and I will not stop loving it. But let's not try and make you know the battle for third place in the constructors the reason why we watch this we watch this because we want good racing and at the at the front it's not happening while the individual grand prix have been entertaining the lack of battling at the front has been you know really disappointing and you know barring of uh, the kind of first half of the race imola until until the virtual safety car and hamilton got into the into the lead it was it was just that but uh, it definitely has been absent from the rest of the season Ben, I, I mentioned the, the calendar that had been announced for next for next year, uh, moving to a 23-race calendar, um, adding the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix uh, to that. And uh, as of yet, we don't know where the uh, race that will be replacing Vietnam is going to be. But uh, what do you make of this announcement? Yeah, honestly, uh, as much as I was expecting it, I'm still really disappointed. I just feel so sorry for all the people that work in F1 and... I've seen this firsthand how hard they work at individual weekends and to do it for 23 out of 52 in a year, plus testing um, and with uh, two triple headers, that's it's absolutely brutal, to be honest. So there's that side, which is really bad. And I think that, that alone should have made it sort of, you know, a reason not to extend to 23. But the other side, I think, is that uh, from a fan's perspective, uh, it cheapens, it cheapens the, the individual value of each race. I think we're getting to that point now where you really can tune out for three or four races in a season and not really miss much. Um, and the fact that, you know, the tracks that are making up this calendar are, and are getting us to 23, like another street race. I mean, you can say what you want about Saudi Arabia, but we don't need another street race regardless of where it is. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's. I, I just think it's a concerning sign for Formula One. Look, I've been watching Formula 1 since the Flintstones. And to be honest with you, 16 is enough, really. Uh, even 18, maybe 20 maximum. 25, everything Ben said. I mean, you cannot condone it. And I think you're going to cheapen the product a bit. But at the same time, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Because as you say, uh, Liberty have to, to make this thing work. Uh, but it's just, 
to me, it's just the sport's gone down sort of a strange direction and uh, kind of our own worst enemy. But we've got to make the most of it. Um, and I'd say, yes, as a fan, I love the fact that 25 races, but to be realistic, uh, I think 20 races is probably maximum. I would have gone with 18, maybe a couple of non-championships races. I think this is an era where they could have really experimented with ch- championship races. They could have maybe made 16 grand slams with the, the, the usual suspect circuits and maybe add another four uh, as like every year a different circuit or, or 16 and, and, and have uh, four. And I think they've, they've missed a trick there, you know, or even 12 races and, you know, eight sort of Portimao, Mugello, whatever, whatever. But um, we're not in that situation. It is what it is. And, I, you know, it's, it's like this. Can we change this color of the sky from, you know, blue to green? No, we can't. So can we prevent Liberty from, from trying to make as much money, squeeze as much money out of the product? No, you can't. Yeah, and I, I think that I spoke with uh, Gary about this. And he said that while, you know, this was Liberty's plan all along, you have to consider the the impact of of covid and the loss of revenue that that has created for them and i just think that this is sadly going to be the the way it goes for the next couple of years at least until we get um the covid situation under control because they without crowds with a reduced number of sponsors they're just going to be losing money and this looks like a a way of basically just grabbing back as much of that as they possibly can um as soon as they can um I, unfortunately, we've had the delay also to the to the new regulations, which means that we're going to see twenty three races of, of pretty much the same product as we've seen this year. So yeah, I, I, it's been it's it's been disappointing to see, and uh, hopefully they'll learn from it next season. We'll see if it works, and if it doesn't work, they'll actually take action rather than just kind of plowing ahead and going to twenty twenty five or even thirty races in the future because I just think that will uh, be a real problem. The, the final question I, I wanted to, to ask you about Ben, I don't know if you if you saw the footage, but uh, there was uh, images of uh, Alex Albon and uh, Pierre Gasly doing some promotional um, stuff for Alpha Tauri uh, while out here in Turkey. Um, do you do you foresee that situation being kind of tied up this weekend? Um, I, I think the rumours are heavily hinting that it could be either Perez or Hulkenberg taking that seat. But uh, do you think this is it's time up for Albon already, and uh, you know he hasn't. He hasn't got any more time to save that seat. Well, it's interesting because Helmut Marco's come out and said, I think a week or two ago, that they were giving him to Abu Dhabi to, you know, prove prove himself basically for twenty twenty one. But then you see these sort of things as you say, and it's so, and you know, everything we've seen and the performances we've seen so far on track would suggest that really what can change uh, Red Bull's mind. And of course, you know, it wouldn't be the first time Red Bull or anyone in F1 management has said one thing and done another. So in that respect, and I think I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago, I don't think this is what, what it, it's what is going to happen, but I would really like to see, use these last four races, well, won't be four, but last three, uh, to pit Gasly and Albon against each other at AlphaTauri and then bring in uh, either Perez, probably not Perez if he's still contracted to Racing Point, or Hulkenberg for the last three at Red Bull, and you know, at least get a sense there. Uh, you know, from from uh, from one of those guys who's a veteran can give good feedback, get a sense of you know what's going on with the car and the drivability issues, uh, as well as sort of gauging them as the teammate for 2021. So there's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, personally, and you know, I. I, I I feel bad for Albon, and 
like I don't like you know I, I never <laughs> wish anyone loses their job um, or loses their seat uh, but and he, he definitely still has you know if, if, if he somehow won a race like well then Red Bull's not going to drop him but I just don't see how we can ignore what's happened through the first 13 races and how that's going to suddenly change around to the point where he's you know not half a second down on Max in qualifying and you know his wingman in the race and earning podiums you know, uh, on merit consistently, I just don't think he's got it in him. It might be a confidence thing. It might be an ability thing. It might be the car. It might be all three. Uh, but realistically, I don't see how any of it changes. I agree. I don't. I don't like to see Albon struggling. I don't like. Wouldn't like to see him be dropped. But unfortunately, it's the same situation that happened to Pierre Gasly and Daniel Kvyat before them, and it's happened to uh, numerous big teams in Formula One in the past. It's just. Unfortunately, these for these drivers, you can't take a year and a half to kind of settle in and really get to grips with things. You got to, you know, sink or swim, and it seems like that's going to be the case. I I do agree in the sense that it'd be it'd be really unfair for Albon to to lose the seat altogether. And I really hope that although they are lining up Yuki Snowder for that seat um, potentially next year or the year after, Albon definitely deserves another chance to go and prove himself and and battle with with Gasly uh, at AlphaTauri because. Otherwise, that's just a, an example of some pretty yeah, gross mismanagement from from Red Bull in putting him up to the senior team when he wasn't ready. So it'd be really unfair if he doesn't get that chance to shine back at AlphaTauri next season. But we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. Um, as Paul as Paul referred to, in terms of Turkish Grand Prix, there's not a huge amount um, to, to, to play for in, in terms of... Uh, the championship which is looking very much over but uh it still will be a historic moment nonetheless if lewis hamilton does seal that uh seventh championship uh, and, and a moment that many people probably never thought they'd see especially not so soon after schumacher sealed his title um uh, back in 2004 but but nonetheless um it's always great to see the cars out on track and i'm sure we'll have a, a fascinating midfield battle and the continuation of of that constructors uh battle to, uh competition for for third place even if paul won't be following it um as always um please do get in touch with the show if you'd like to um by emailing us at podcast at grand prix 247.com visit our website where we're kind of going to be regularly updating with all the news and opinion from the turkish grand prix that's grand prix 247.com and you can give us a follow on twitter and uh, like like us on facebook by going to at grand prix 247 We'll be back on Sunday to review the Grand Prix and uh, discuss whether Lewis Hamilton did manage to to, uh, equal Schumacher's record. And we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye.